I never doubted my salvation. I didn't have any problems with assurance. But in my later teens, I started having a lot of issues with anxiety. And I don't just mean like nerves. I mean, I was really struggling a lot. And mental health is like, you know, everyone has different beliefs about, you know, chemical imbalance and medication and all this stuff. But God really convicted me that in my life at that time, anxiety was a sin and it was completely controlling me. We are all saved the same way but each of our stories are different. This is My Grace Life Story, a series of podcasts where members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. Here now is Senior Associate Pastor Matt Fowler. Welcome back to another episode of My Grace Life Story. I am here, of course, with Brother Tim Martin, who is running All Things Media for us today. And we have with us in our studio today, Austin and Elspeth Burbank. So these two are church members here at Grace Life. And so we wanted to talk to them a little bit about their Grace Life story and how the Lord has worked in their lives. So Austin, just start with you. If you would just kind of introduce yourself, maybe a couple of facts about yourself, and then Elspeth will do the same with you. All right. Yeah, so um, I've been at uh, Grace Life since maybe '03 when my family has started moving to this church, and so I grew up here for most of most of my cognitive life right. uh, in this church. But um, how old are you now? Twenty-seven. Okay, twenty-seven. Yeah, so yeah, yeah you've been um, here just about the whole time. Yeah, born '95. There you go. <laughs> so, right. um, but uh, but yeah, grew up in this church. Um, went to school. Uh, grew up in Killen. Grew, uh, went to school at Rogers, uh, graduated there, and stayed local. Went to Northwest Shoals Community College and transferred yep. to UNA and gotcha. graduated from there. What uh, was your degree in? I uh, graduated with a entertainment industry on a business emphasis. And so um, in what way, Austin works for Ferris Wholesale, in what way are you using entertainment <laughs> at Ferris Wholesale right now? Well, we stay pretty busy, and so it's uh, a lot of planning and organizing, and that's what I like to do. And so I try to take Good. those things and use those in wherever area I can. So, okay. but uh, that's, um, yeah, that's, that's what I used. <laughs> so yeah. that's what I'm fair so so right I, now. Hey, so. listen, I've got a physical education <laughs> degree. I don't use it in any way at Grace Life Church of the Shelves. So, you know, I'm a guy who's definitely working outside of my degree field. So, yeah. All right. Good. Elspeth, some facts about yourself. Introduce yourself to us. Yeah, I'm Elspeth. I'm from the UK originally. I've lived in the States for three years now. And yeah, I've traveled a lot, lived in a lot of places. This is new living in the South, but yeah. it's been good. It feels like home now. And um, yeah, we love it. It's been great. All right, good. All right, if you guys would um, maybe give me the the five-minute version of your conversion testimony. I know that's probably something that, that we could all sit around and talk about how the Lord saved us and, and spend a lot of time doing that, and that would be very beneficial. But but maybe the, the quicker version, and Austin, we'll start with you again about how the Lord saved you, because I know some of your testimony eventually kind of intertwines with you guys' relationship and how you guys got to know each other. So, you know, we may explore some of that too. But but the, the quick version of you coming to know the Lord. Yeah, Absolutely. So, like I said, I grew up in this church, was seen as a good kid that was raised in the church, had a good family, basically as a kid who would do anything that they were supposed to do in the eyes of my parents and friends and family. When I was probably in my teenage years, maybe 15, 16, uh, that started looking different for me. I uh, didn't really take seriously the things of, that I was supposed to be doing. It was more of an outward appearance. 
the way I described it was foot in the world and the foot in the church. Gotcha. Kind of holding that mid-ground. People can see who I am, but they can't see truly who I am. Sure. That accelerated into my college years when I graduated high school. I was really, really testing that line, testing where God would have me. I felt like I could do stuff on my own, mm-hmm. and that I can deal with these things. I can, I can stand my ground. I really don't need all this you know, I don't need faith. I don't need all these other things. So I fought through that in the way I did, had my relationships with my friends and then relationships with just people who I wanted to have relationships with. So I did that with all my relationships. I was more selfish. I found that I, when I was actually trying to do the right thing, I would get angry at myself for trying to do the right thing and then angry at myself for not doing the right thing. So I was always in this turmoil of just fighting with my own sin and uh, realizing what I needed to do. And it's just, it's just, I knew I was sinful. Right. And so I never really backed off of the fact that I knew I needed to trust God more and I just never did. Yeah. And so uh, that all came to a point about 2015 at the end of that year, God had really put me in some positions that really tested me, especially in a certain situation that I was in. I knew that if I had moved forward uh, with that, that I would probably not even be in the church anymore. Wow. So going to that, I had conversations with Brother Steve. There was mission trips that were being planned, and I was able to talk to Brother Steve, counsel about going to Edinburgh, Scotland. I told him I didn't want to have a wrong motive in the reason of going. I just needed to figure out, I needed time away from my daily life to figure out my relationship with God because God had been working on me in different areas of my life. So what, So what, at this point, what, what makes you think, Hey, a trip to Scotland. I, I mean, you got this turmoil going on, and, and you know, yeah. kind of like you described, a, a foot in the world, a foot in the church, and even coming down to a, hey, if I go this way, I, I may just, I may just leave the church altogether. I, and obviously, I know the Holy Spirit is at work in the background yes. of all of this. But, but in your mind, what, what makes you think maybe a trip to Scotland is what <laughs> I need? I mean, what was your, what was your thought process? There? Well, my thought process was is anything to get me out of my everyday life okay. here. Gotcha. And maybe that would be just focusing on what I'm doing as far as why I'm there. Okay. Like I said, I have many conversations with Brother Steve about, you know, I don't want to go if it makes other people think, well, he's not who he, you know, says he sure, is. Why sure. is he, why is a non-Christian, right. you know, I, I, I still describe myself as a un, non-born again Christian. I, I was a Christian, but I, was, I wasn't born again. Right. So gotcha. I didn't want to give people the false impression of me going, but, right. but I knew the Lord was working in me. So. I thought that going on that trip, I always had a connection as far as I had a super interest in Scotland and the UK and in those type of areas. But so it was just a way for me to kind of, okay, this is a place I can go. I'm going to be saturated with, surrounded by these people. Maybe this will help me figure out just what God's trying to, you know, teach me through all this. Gotcha. And just unplug myself from what I've been doing daily here because it's obviously not working. Right. So, yeah. And so we went through that whole week. There was many people who poured their life into me and wisdom and somebody, one of the guys that was on the trip, we were doing door to door and he just asked me, he said, how long have you been a Christian? And then that's when it kind of just like this epiphany happened where, you know what, I, I've, I call myself a Christian, but you know, I can't really tell you just how long I've actually been a born-again Christian. Like, right. I just have all these motions. But that's really what made me, the wheels turned really fast on that. By that last Sunday, Brother Brett Beasley from mm-hmm. uh, West Frankfurt, Illinois, yep. Second Baptist West Frankfurt, good brother, preaching on, I believe it was 
can a good God send good people to hell? Right. And so that just that was my conviction melting point at that. Okay. And so was this in your home church elsewhere this sermon? Yes. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, we were with Grace Edinburgh, Pastor Alan McLachlan. Yeah. So that's what really helped me. It was what was pushed, used to push me over the edge of where I needed to be, and God brought me to a full conviction at that point, and I realized that there was a change in my heart, yeah. and that the actions and the my motivations for things were different coming through that. Obviously, going through the week, segueing into Elspeth, yeah. <laughs> she was also there. It's not somebody that we spent a whole lot of time the first one or two days, but as the week went on, we talked more, and I saw her and how she interacted with her family, and that had a huge impact on me. Right. The yeah. way that she reached out to all the team, right. the way that she just, her whole countenance and the way that she handled everything, there was just something different about her. So we got to talking more and more. So she is actually a, a big instrument in what God kind of used me to kind of, I guess, model, like, hey, these are things that you need to be looking for. So you had a second epiphany. I had a second one. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So God God not only brought me to conviction, but he also opened my eyes to, like, this is also something yeah, you maybe need to Maybe there's another possibility. There is another possibility. The Lord was good to you in a number of ways he was, in Scotland, yeah. right? Absolutely. So, yeah, so. good. Yeah, thank you. All right, Elspeth, a little bit, you know, your testimony coming into the Lord and, and how the Lord worked in your life through the years. Sure. Yeah. So as Austin's already said, my dad um, is a church planter in Scotland. He had been in the ministry for most of my life. So growing up, church was always a huge part of our life. Right. When I was five years old, my parents went to be missionaries in the Middle East. So we left everything behind. We lived in a very difficult country to be sure. in. Uh, some of the missionaries that were there were martyred while we were there. It wow. was a really... Um, big thing for my parents to be there. So I knew how important their faith was to them. I knew the sacrifices they were making. And we always grew up. I mean, there was never a time I doubted the Bible or doubted that God existed. I could see my parents and how how passionate they were about sharing their faith. So it was always a big part of our lives. And I was this sort of stereotypical eldest child, wanted to please mom and dad all the time. I was always the good kid. And I knew that they'd be happy if I made a profession of faith. And somebody gave me a book when I was about 11 years old. It was called A Different Life, and it was about a girl that had been kind of struggling with her faith and coming to the realization that she was not actually saved. She was relying mm-hmm. on her parents' faith. And that really, um, the Holy Spirit used that in me just to, to show me that that's what I was doing, that yeah. I needed wow. to repent and believe. It couldn't just be to tick the boxes or mm-hmm. to, yeah, for anyone to be happy with my obedience, but right. it had to be... Um, Genuine. So, yeah, I was saved at 11. I got baptized in the church that we were at there. Was this still um, in the Middle East? Were you guys still in the Middle East? We were back time? in the UK okay, at that point. Yeah. Okay. My dad you. was a pastor in England. A lot of people would stop their testimony there and be like, yeah, I knew I was saved. I never doubted my salvation. I didn't have any problems with assurance. But in my later teens, I started having a lot of issues with anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I don't just mean like nerves. I mean, I was really struggling a lot right. and mental health is like you know everyone has different beliefs about chemical imbalance and medication and all this stuff but God really convicted me that in my life at that time anxiety was a sin and it was completely controlling me so I lost a ton of weight yeah it was just really 
not living life as I should. I would wake up super early and just struggle. And it was just constant. It really consumed me. Right. And God really convicted me that that was sin. And um, it took a few years to kind of mm. realize this isn't something just happening to me. This is something right. that I need to work on. And God really blessed me through those years. I think when he brings us to an end of ourselves, sometimes it's when we draw closest to him. And I definitely mm-hmm. feel that in those years, my relationship with the Lord really, really grew because mm-hmm. I needed him so much more. And of course, we need him all the time, but I didn't sort of realize that until that point. Right. And I think a lot of pride comes with that, like I was saying before about people pleasing, being a pastor's yeah, kid. Sure. A lot of that pride was kind of knocked out at that point because it's like, I have a big sin I'm struggling with. Right. I'm somebody that needs help. Yeah, and so me. God really used that in my life to draw him closer to to him. And I'm, I can say I have so much peace now. He's given mm-hmm. me that wonderful peace that is like nothing else in this yeah. world. So mm-hmm. yeah, I always share that as part of my testimony too, because yeah, I feel great. like it's definitely when God drew me closer to himself. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. All right. So, you know, the Lord brings you guys to faith, obviously at different times, different locations, mm-hmm. but let's, let's kind of revisit this, this mission trip to Scotland. And let's talk about the second epiphany, as Brother Tim has said. So, <laughs> so he gives Austin We'll stick with this word epiphany, right? I mean, Elspeth, was the Lord giving you that same sense at that time, or were you just like, hey, look, you know, it's another team from America. They'll be going home. I mean, what's going through your mind at this time? So I actually picked the team up from the airport. Okay. And so I'd met Brother Steve a few years before, and I knew a couple of people on the team that were coming. Rachel. So this is pretty early, like in the partnership it is, uh, yeah. Okay, all right. I couldn't remember yeah. the exact timeline. All this kind of runs together in my mind. I think we had had so. one other team from Anchored Entry okay. before right, yeah, that. Real early. I had gone to London and helped Barry King with one of his teams, right. and Dacus Wall and okay. Jacob Danley and Rachel Danley had come on that trip. So I knew okay. them. They were coming. So I was waiting at the airport for this big team coming. Right. I knew Brother Steve, and I knew these people I'd met. So I was... It was just this sea of faces. So I really didn't notice Austin. <laughs> there were just yeah. a big group of people. Man, Austin. Yeah, I was excited to see Brother Steve, excited to just briefly greet them. But it was kind of like, we've got a schedule. We've got to go. Sure. We've got to get yes. everyone, yes. you know, yes. if you have your luggage, let's go. So I yeah. briefly shook hands with Austin, but I don't yeah, have I any kind of recollection. It was, like, it was like, oh, remember the first time that you met her? I was like, yeah. She shook my hand and went, okay. And then we kept <laughs> going, get, yeah, get, get your, your bag, bag and let's yes. go. the van. So. Yes. Um, uh. Whereas for you, I was the only person, you know, it was just one person, whereas I was meeting this big yes. team. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so, so walk me through how you guys' relationship kind of, you know, from, from that point, obviously, I know it wasn't like you met, love at first sight, we're all getting married. I mean, you know, how, how did this go? Because obviously, Austin, you come back to the U.S. I mean, this was just a short-term mission trip, and Elspeth, obviously, you live there in Scotland. And so, you know, how, how did the Lord end up kind of putting you two together? I mean, what, what, tell me some of that story. Yeah. So I, I can give my, my viewpoint of it from the, from the beginning, but I still joke with her, but I mean, it really wasn't till like halfway through the week when I noticed that we were probably hanging out with each other more than what we okay. had been. We had been in, we would find ourselves walk, like, I don't know, we would just find ourselves talking to each other more than anybody else. Right. And so, I just joked with her that it was like halfway through the week. I was like, oh, she's really interesting. I've been talking to her. She's great. And it probably wasn't until like one of the last days I was just like, and she's, you know, I think she's pretty beautiful too. So, <laughs> so, so it was a win. Uh, <laughs> so, but uh, so we, yeah, we just slowly started to talk more and more. And it was just, 
that was what I enjoyed about it. Is that we just talked about everything and anything. But right. but yeah, we just by that last week. I, I don't know. You you like to tell that end of the story about when I left <laughs> before I went back. But I'll let you tell that part. Yeah. So we just really <laughs> enjoyed getting to know each other, and I thought I would like to keep in touch with this guy, but I don't want to initiate that. It has to come from him. Right. And he. The whole team was saying goodbye to everyone. They're leaving, and he walks away without saying a word. And I thought, okay, Lord, I guess that's your way of saying it's not meant to go anywhere. Then he comes back in, and he, like, throws a note into my hand. We have this awkward hug, and he runs away again. And it's a note with just gratitude for the week and our hospitality and then also saying, I really enjoyed getting to know you. Here are my details if you want to stay in touch. And what was going through your head when you were writing this note? I mean, was this like, so, man, I've got to word so, everything just right. You know, I, how do I sign my name? I mean, you know, what was so that? It was, it was a lot of, uh, I, I probably said it really late that night trying uh, yeah, to figure out the wording. Because yeah. I didn't want to come across as too forceful. Yeah. But uh, so, but I was like, I can't just give her a note because that looks suspicious. So, right. But I, always, I was already going to write uh, her parents a note for okay. having us for the week and right, all that kind right. of stuff. I was like, so I'll give her both letters. That way she'll see both of them. Okay. I got you. And I'm saying, and I hope she doesn't just give both to her, right. <laughs> her dad. <laughs> but because uh, that week's a blur, even for him. Like, right, y'all we, got bit. So she even, from what she's told me, she goes like, after she told him about, hey, you know, Austin's asked if he could stay in touch with me. Just wanted to let you guys know. And they're like, right. her dad's like, which one was Austin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but um, so yeah, we she she took the note and I'm glad that she was the only one that saw it at yeah. that point. And yeah. There you go. I did end up, you know, talking to her dad a little bit later, said just right. so you know, you know, is it okay that we continue to stay right. in touch? And yeah. so he was he gave me that blessing. So okay. that was good. But he he knew who I was at that yeah. point. Yeah. So yeah. But, yeah, he probably um, knew more about the you than you yes. realized it yes. right. So, <laughs> I'm sure him and Brother Steve had many talks about who yeah. I was. Wow. As far as as far as he knew, the only thing that he knew about me is that I liked the Pittsburgh Penguins and that okay. was about it. So. Okay. I got you. I got you. <laughs> but All right, um, so anyway. how, how long did you guys court date? What whatever term we want to put on that? You know, what what was that season? Was that Yeah, so so that was June of twenty sixteen. We sent letters, we did email, and occasionally we could Skype when we were both available. It was a six-hour right. diff- time difference. Right. So we did that for probably, I would say, all the way up until I visited you the next time. We never really started an official relationship. We okay. just kept in touch for about a whole year, and I came yeah. back in August of 2017. Gotcha. And then that's when we said, this is something we want to do. Okay. And so that really, I guess, became our courting process. Okay. Gotcha. As far as an official thing, and then... Yeah, so maybe like two years roughly between actually touch. being official and then actually yeah. get married. But. Yeah, deciding that this is something we yeah. want to pursue. Right. <laughs> so uh, so you guys get married. What, was it always the plan that if you got married, you're coming to the States? Or was there some talk about, hey, maybe we're married and we stay in, in the U.K. and we serve the Lord there? What, what were those conversations like? We're glad you ended up at Grace Life Church of the Shoals. Don't, <laughs> Pastor Alley, if you happen to listen to this, don't, yes. don't be mad at us. We are glad you came back here. So, uh, But what were those conversations like? What, how much prayer went into that? And, yeah. and Well, this is what I really appreciated, uh, appreciated about Elspeth, that we were able, that our relationship was unique in the fact that we just didn't have the opportunity to sit down and just sit and be with each other. We had to communicate. We had to talk. Right. It wasn't just this thing where we could just relax and say nothing to each other. So we have always had this really good communication that I think that was built because it was kind of that was the only way we could. Right. And so 
anytime that we had conversations, that was something that we originally first talked about uh, before we even talked about getting married. And, you know, what would it look like? Would you move here? Would I move there? And so we both had the understanding of when it comes to that point, like we're fine either way. And okay. so whatever, whatever the plans look like, we'll, we'll just go where the Lord takes us. And then that's, you know, we prayed about it. And, but as we got engaged and we started looking at the paperwork and what processes it would be for me to move there and what right. processes it would take for her to move here, it just made more sense for us to start this route at okay. least first. Sure. Um, and then if the Lord opened up for any reason for us to move back to the UK, then that door would be open. But I just knew from a, a responsibility standpoint, it would be easier for me to do what I needed to do, not only as a husband, but it would be I would be able to do those things here better than I probably could over there sure. to start off a marriage with. Right. And so so we really had that understanding moving forward and we always knew that there was a possibility that you know, I was I was always open to say I would move there, but you can tell them what your advice was from your parents that about that if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, my <laughs> I'd had it modeled, I guess, by my parents when my dad was first considering going to the Middle East. Somebody asked my mom, well, do you feel called to the Muslim world? Do you feel called to go? And she said, well, I'm called to Ali. I'm called to him. Yeah, and so, of course, I have to go where he goes because he's my calling. And I felt very strongly the same thing that sure. Austin was the leader. He was the head of this, what would become our marriage. And so I needed to follow him. And so I had to realize that from day one, that this right. was a possibility. It wasn't like we dated for two years and then made that decision. Sure. It was always in my mind that this was a possibility. Mm -hmm. And I did kind of wrestle with that a bit. Mm -hmm. um, Europe is very dark, and I always felt that it needs Christians. Yep. And um, it's like the Lord had to give me a mental slap and be like, well, I don't need you. <laughs> like, I can, you know, use plenty of other people. It's not yeah. like I had to stay in Europe. But right. it was hard thinking, okay, I'm going to go to an area of the country that has a lot of churches yes. and is very um, kind of saturated in the gospel. Right. But, yeah, anyway, it was a long, that was a long way of explaining it. But yeah. no, that's good. It, it was always yeah. in my mind yeah, that I would good. leave. So, Elspeth, when, when you – how long – so did you move here? I, I can't remember the timeline. Did From the time you moved here, did you guys pretty much get married pretty quick after you moved here? Or were you here for a season before you guys actually got married? What was the timeline on that? Yeah, so we did what's called a fiancé visa. Okay. If you've ever seen the show 90 Day Fiancé, <laughs> that's what we did. Yeah, so we – Probably on arrival exactly. in the states, could have been on that show. <laughs> we probably right? could have. Yeah. <laughs> we had 90 days to get married on okay. my arrival in the states. So I moved and I um, lived with John and Joyce McIntosh for, okay. for yeah. four. I guess it was five weeks. Yeah. And then we got married. Right. So yeah. I was here for just a few weeks, and it right. really was just kind of wedding prep yeah. and right. kind of getting everything yeah. organized. So and all right, so so let's let's kind of wind around to this. So was that your first time to come to Grace Life, or had you been here for a true church conference like with your mom and dad, or I know your dad's been at least a couple of times, or was that, okay, I'm moving, I'm getting married, I'm going to start a new church home, I mean, all that happened at the same time? No, I had visited Austin uh, okay. while we dated twice on two different occasions. Yeah, my very first Sunday at Grace Life, Brother Steve asked if I would stand up in the <laughs> pulpit the next Sunday and talk about the live stream. <laughs> but yes, I had been, I think maybe four Sundays okay. over the yeah. time that we dated. But yes, it was kind of new. But yeah. yes, I had visited. Right. Okay. So so just how different is church, Grace Life Church? I mean, obviously, we, we I mean, 
great relationship with your dad and, and that partnership's there. But obviously Scotland's different than the U.S. And, 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 and Grace Life of the Shoals is obviously different than even a lot of our partner churches that we love. Mm-hmm. So, so how, how different was that? How big of an adjustment was, was it for you to not only move from Scotland, but, but, but particularly the local church aspect of it? How, how tough was that to kind of come and fit in? What, what was your, if you can remember like your first time here, what, what were your thoughts? If you can remember back to that, G- give me some, some details about, okay, God's transplanting you now into mm. Grace Life Church of the Shoals. What, what was that like? Is very different. I had never been in a room with, so the first Sunday I came, I went to a small group. I'd never been in a room with that many people who were exactly the same age as me and who were church members. Like that was a very new thing for me. We'd always been in small churches that were just starting where it was, everyone was friends with everyone. You were all different ages. Um, It's very rare to have people that were exactly the same age. So to come to a class that was like, 25 and 26 year old girls. I was like, wow, this is really unique. Do you remember who was teaching the class? I went to um, your wife's class, actually. She and Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah and Chris. I guess it was because it was, I guess we were college age or just above. They kind of have a single ladies a lot of times. Yeah. So every time I visited, I went to their class. And yeah, the church is huge. I mean, we had watched the live stream for years. Right. But coming into the auditorium, it's so big. It was just, it was very overwhelming. I had met several staff members before when they had come to the UK. But yeah, coming here, it just felt very surreal to sit in a place that you've watched for so many years. That was quite surreal. Yeah, Yeah, very, very different. And then trying to sort of integrate, coming and visiting was kind of neat because it was, I was excited to see Austin and get to know his church. But coming is like, planning to be here was really different. Just thinking, okay, I've got to make some, put some roots down in this church. And I found that a lot of people had never been new before. A lot of the people my age had grown up at Grace Life. They'd never been to another church. It was just, you know, everyone was at high school together or everyone had like, you know, the same teachers in Sunday school or whatever. It was just, I was very new, very different. And of course, I was here for just a few months before COVID happened too. So I felt like I was just getting to know people and then everything shut down. So it was, it took a long time, I guess, to kind of feel settled in the church in that way. But uh, yeah, it definitely feels like my church home now for sure. Yeah. All right, and so you're you're here for a season. Obviously, you've been a part of missions for a really long time, just in your family, and by virtue of kind of calling God put on you guys' lives. But uh, now you serve on staff with Anchored in Truth and do a multitude of different things there with Brother Steve and Luke and Doctor Seal and all the Anchored in Truth team. And so, um, you know, how has that been a fit? For you, you know, kind of coming in and not just a church member now, but also someone who serves in Anchor and Truth and serves with missions. Um, you know, has that been an easy fit? Was that an easy transition? Because you've done some of that stuff, maybe not the same thing, but a lot of that type of work in the past. So, so how did all that come about? Yeah, it's been a huge blessing. Yeah. I should say that first. I've never worked with believers before, and so that was really wow. neat to come. And, you know, everyone's a Christian, and it's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a blessing for sure. It's very different from the type of work I was doing before. I taught English as a foreign language to adults in a language school, but I had done a lot of admin for my dad. And then I had done some things for Barry King too with Grace Baptist Partnership in England. And so I kind of knew how Anchored in Truth worked, at least from a distance. Like I said before, I had got to know Brother Steve on various trips. And yeah, he approached me about the job and it's 
it's been wonderful. It's been such a blessing. I enjoy it so much. Communicating with people from all around the world is such a neat thing to hear yeah, what God is doing in their countries is just wonderful. And to try and personalize that for the people here at Grace Life has been great, too, to meet with yeah. the mission leaders from small groups and just right. say, I don't think you realize how much it means when you send something. Yeah, like, I know from personal testament, my family has been so encouraged. Like My parents got an anniversary card one year, and they had never received an anniversary card that said, like, to our pastor and his wife, mm. because you just can't buy that kind of thing in Europe. Right. And so it meant so much to them that a small group would take time to write that yeah, and mail it. Awesome. And so kind of seeing it from that side as well has mm-hmm. just been very valuable, I think. So yeah, it's 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 been a great fit. I've really enjoyed it. It's very fast paced. There's a lot to do, but yeah, yeah it's been great. God Good. really blessed me with that job. Amen. So Austin, so so Elsa was brand new at Grace Life when she gets here, but as you said in your testimony, I mean for the most part you were you're here. You're kind of like me. I think I came here when I was about seven or eight, somewhere in their second grade, however old you are in second grade. And so, you know, you're a, a lifer, as Elspeth has said. There's a lot of people who are lifers here at Grace Life here. But, you know, what, what's, you know, as you've grown up here, are, are there certain people, are there certain individuals, are there certain sermons that, that stick out in your mind as to, you know, God working in your life? And I, I know sometimes we can't boil all that down to one sermon, but tell me a little bit about just your journey here at Grace Life and and who's been instrumental in, in, you know, discipling you. Maybe it was a small group class. Maybe it was just a brother in the Lord. Uh, Like I said, maybe it was a sermon or sermon series that God used to just cement some things in your life. Give, give Give me some feedback on that. Yeah, well, I I would say that it is kind of hard to boil it down to just maybe everything, but I can just say from a personal standpoint that obviously that Brother Tom has been very instrumental in, in my life here, just always seeing him. Um, I know we had somebody before him, but Brother Tom is really the one that I kind of knew. Sure. And just the way that he served and the way that he used music and the way that he views music, especially as a, as, as a person who uses it in a ministry aspect for the church. And right. so and that he would be the first one to say that the pastor is the worship leader, not him. Right. And just having that mindset, it, it helped me when I got into music. And so he's always kind of been that one that was an encouragement in that area for me. And so he's he's been one that's very instrumental in my life and as far as even spiritually. But just the way that he leads speak, spoke a lot to me even before we got as close as we are now. Um, where he's given me opportunities to help also lead in the church and through music and stuff right. like that. So, so when did when did the when did you get into like music and and I'm <laughs> were you doing music before you were a believer and then the Lord maybe has kind of taken that and, and directed your path a little differently on that? What's yeah, that so like? so music has been pretty big and at least in my life, especially at a younger age, it's just we we enjoyed listening to music growing up. My parents always had different types of music and so. It was definitely more secular music when I was growing up <laughs> that I enjoyed the most. But we did grow up enjoying, you know, like Amy Grant and those those type of God, uh, old CCM days. Yes, yeah. so, um, Michael W. Smith. Yes, so, Stephen Curtis Chapman in there. So, yeah. so and so I we grew up listening to you know Christian contemporary music as right. well because that was the thing you did as a kid growing up in the early thousands right. is you yes, listened to absolutely. the contemporary Christian yes. artists. But probably about. Uh, I mean, me and my brother got guitars probably at a young age, and so my granddaddy gave us a book, and so we taught ourselves how to play guitar, and probably wasn't until late middle school, early high school that I started trying to, like, actually sing, (laughs) and so I had a music director in high school that really pushed me to do that, and so he's the one that kind of made me do it, and so it kind of spun off from there, and so then it wasn't until... 
And even me and my brother actually did, we would play at a few churches for some music events and some type of like some small revival type things. Right. And, but my heart was not in that whatsoever. At that was that point more of a, hey, this guy can sing, so let's, let's just sign him up? Right? Yes. Okay. And so, I mean, it's kind of like a word of mouth thing. Like, oh, these people, they, you know, they go to church and they play music. Let's, <laughs> let's, 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 let's them get them, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and I don't think there was anything wrong with sure, that, but sure. I was definitely not in the mindset to say, hey, this is something that I love to do and I want to go there and I want to play this music for these people. And right. it was kind of a forced thing for me. But it wasn't until my conversion that I viewed music in a different way, okay, okay. especially through the way that it's done at church. And right. uh, like I said, Brother Tom was very instrumental in that. I know that kind of deviated from the original no, question. No, that's good. That's good. But, um, but so that, that was really kind of my musical journey and the way that I viewed it. I mean, I've played some other places, and then now I primarily, when I do play music, it's in a church setting or yeah. church-focused or, or whatever right. it may be. But going back more to the original question— as far as small groups go, I can think of, and I'll just name these people, and I don't have time to go into every single thing that they've ever done for me, but I think about Dr. Briley, uh, Jason Briley, even uh, West Voorhees, I believe they taught a class, a sixth-grade boys class, which I think Dr. Briley is still doing sixth-grade yeah, boys like, class. He's, he's, he needs a plaque in the classroom. Yes, he does. I mean, he's a permanent fixture yes. in the sixth-grade boys he's class. He's going to have a few yes. extra halos for, for <laughs> some of the, for some like, of the stuff. He said at he, least two Fowler boys passed through, so yes, there's two yes. halos he needs right there. Yes. So. But him and uh, West Voorhees, they taught that class together. I just remember just the way in which they reached out to us. And I mean, I can name every single small group leader I had growing up, but right. those are probably the first ones that I just remember being like, this is something that I feel like I just remember more. Sure, yeah. And so, and I remember men like Jeff Kitchens, who was teaching a class, uh, Mike Rodriguez, mm-hmm. very influential. We were, we actually go back with the Rodriguez family he was the, probably the my first pastor. Okay, all and right. So yeah. we have we have known that family, and they've been super influential in our life. Him and Miss Bobby Ann both. Mm-hmm. Um, we grew yeah. up with their kids, and we love them, and they've been very helpful to us, and especially Elspeth's life too. Now that they've gotten to know her, and so uh, it's good to have those people that we right. have a history, but we also yeah. came to the, ended up coming to the same church. Right. Another. Yeah. More towards my conversion, and more towards my probably more convicting years. The biggest men that were influential were my small group leaders was John McIntosh, mm-hmm. Corey Thomas, yeah. and Mark Tucker. Yeah, Good Those guys. men, those three men helped me sort through a lot of stuff. Amen. And I'm very thankful and probably in debt to them for yeah. some of the advice and their willingness to sit down with me and talk with me. Mm-hmm. But I would have not ever had the time or day with them unless I was in that small group class. Yeah, right. And so I just think about those men. But as far as pastorally, of course, yourself and, you know, Brother Tim and Brother David Young, of course, Brother Jeff, just yeah. sitting through the years, not thinking I'm soaking up things in. And then at my conversion, I'm like, I really wish that I would have paid more attention yeah. and I would be able to actually have these conversations <laughs> with my wife. Like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the I guess one of the biggest sermons that I remember from Brother Jeff was that stay in the boat. Yeah. And um, that's probably one of the ones that I've probably held on to probably the most from what I can remember in those early years. Yeah. And I know it's one he's gone back to before, but um, it's one that I remember quoting to my brother when he graduated high school. And uh, it's just something I always go back Mm -hmm. to. But those those men 
have been very influential in my time here at Grace Life and right. ones that I can I can still go to and yeah. ask them something and them still be able to give me the advice they gave me however many years ago it was and it still be just as impactful. Yeah. And uh, I think I'm very thankful for them. Yeah. So I don't know if that completely yeah. no, answers no, the question. That's great. But. That was great. So, uh, Elspeth, obviously you, you haven't been here quite as long, so you don't have maybe as deep a roots uh, as Austin does here. But uh, some some influences in your life just as a Christian, though, some people, maybe some sermons. Some I know you mentioned a book earlier that the Lord used to, to work in your life. Talk to me a little bit about that from your perspective. Yeah, I will say that Brother Jeff's ministry has been a big part of our lives Amen. because we discovered that when I was a teenager, and so we tuned in a lot. And yeah, the live stream was, was there, right? Yeah, so, it yeah, was. It was great. a lifeline for us. Um, my dad was going through a very difficult period in his ministry and w- when we discovered him, and it just neat the way that worked out with Barry King, that he was already linked. It was just right. a really neat. Is that something you guys would just watch as a family, or would your, the church watch it yes. sometimes, or both? Um, or? We started off watching it as a family. Okay. My mom and I would watch it because my dad was in between churches. He'd just been fired from a church. It was really tough in his ministry. So mom and I started watching these on a Sunday night when he wasn't preaching somewhere. Okay. Or if he was away, we would just tune in. And she said, you need to listen to this guy because he's preaching what you were preaching, but he's getting away with it. His church love him. <laughs> uh, and I know, you know, now sure, that we yeah, know yeah, Brett yeah. Jeff, we yeah. know that's not always been the case. Right, we know sure. he's had hard times in his ministry too, of course. But um, they were just kind of on the same page about a lot of things. Hmm. So we too, I mean, I can remember sermons that he preached the night shift. He came and preached that. Yeah at the Grace Baptist Partnership Conference, and that was huge, just right. being in a room full of church planters who were all doing the night shift yes. and everyone being just so encouraged, like the whole room was crying because it was just such Amen. a blessing. Good. Yeah, there's there's influential people I can point to in books. I love reading. I've always enjoyed reading. Um, there's a book called Surprised by Oxford by Carolyn Weber that's really good. If anyone says, what's your favorite book? It's a really hard question, but that's usually where it kind of lands. Okay, all right. (laughs) Just someone's conversion story and how they came to faith. But it's a really, it's a really good book. Yeah, I've always enjoyed reading. Disciplines of a Godly Woman had a big impact on me as Is it a Barbara teenager. Barbara Hughes, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was really good. There's one for men as well, actually. Um, yeah. She mailed me a copy, or I believe you mailed me a copy yeah, of that. Yeah, I did. She was pushing you along. When, when we first <laughs> met, within the first two months, she sent me that book. Yeah. And I so did. I would just like yes. to say that, yeah. This. And, you know, and that one, uh, <laughs> both of those books are, you know, I would say they're not old. But, you know, they, they wrote those Pretty good while ago, but oh, they've yeah. kind of stood the test. Of, they're just good. Mm-hmm. I still give those out for counseling a lot of times. Right. You know, when folks come in, if it's a, a lady, obviously the disciplines of godly woman. If it's a guy, disciplines of godly woman. They, they're just substantive. Just you know, mm-hmm. they cover a lot of stuff, and it's just Pretty. good. Just good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like a lot of foundational things for mm-hmm. later in life. Yeah. Really good. I was given a copy of The Excellent Wife as well when Austin and I were, I think when we were dating before we were even engaged, and that was excellent as well. That was really, really good. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's always been people I've looked up to, but I've really enjoyed getting to know a lot of the people here at Grace Life. Right. That's been a blessing. And now that I've been here a few years, I've been in lots of different small groups, and that's been great too. Um, I started out in Margo's class. Okay. I really enjoyed getting to know Margo before yeah. we worked together. And right. It's a blessing to work with her now. But um, Juanita Wheelis is my small group leader now. Well, we teach her class, actually. So okay. I'm an associate for her class. But right. I have so enjoyed being under her. And Amen. we've done a book study. It started off quite big. And then the second book we did, it was just me and one other woman. And that was such a blessing to just kind of soak up <laughs> all of her like Absolutely. spiritual advice and 
Yeah, just the kind of people that you aspire to be like. Right. There's one other woman who actually is part of the Anchored in Truth family. Anchored in Truth supports Daniel and Lily Shway in London. Mm-hmm. And Lily Shway is just one of the sweetest women I've ever met. One story I always think of with her as a great example is she um, is a wonderful support to her husband, a wonderful blessing in the church plant there. And he was supposed to go out to a conference that was for pastors, and she slipped on some ice and fell, and she cut her face really badly, like kind of through her lip, just really horrible mm. cut. And the first thing she said was, oh, I'm so glad it didn't happen to Daniel so he can still go to his conference. That was the first thing she said. It wasn't uh, ouch or like right. any kind of mm. reaction. It was just, oh, I'm so glad it happened to me. And that kind of sums up her whole attitude. She's just a sweet, sweet person. She's prayed for my siblings and I for years, and um, she's just a really wonderful saint that you think, yeah, mm. I want to be like that. <laughs> Amen. That's good. There's Go one key person that we need to discuss that he knew Elspeth before I knew Elspeth, and Brother Steve McAllister yep. is the yes. one that has kind of not. I don't want to, you know, puff his chest up too, babe, but he's, <laughs> Let's not he's that, the brother. integral glue that holds this relationship together. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, yes. but he he's there in the beginning. He mm-hmm. he counseled me before I went to Scotland. Right. He was very influential with uh, talking me through what was going on in my life. He met with me after we came back mm-hmm. and helped me go all the way through to baptism. Right. And he's, he walked me through that, and we're, we were able, and we're, he's still you know, that's what I love about uh, Brother Steve is we've not only bonded as a, a as through pastoral care, but right. I view him as a very good friend now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there are things that me and him, experiences that we share that just just bond people together. Right. And so he's just been one of those people. We asked him to do our marriage ceremony, and mm-hmm. he gladly said yes. And so he's just been one of those men that we constantly, him and Allison both, have ministered to us in so many ways. And so we're just very thankful for them because they continue to still be that for us. Yeah. And so they're they are kind of like a ongoing, continual part of our lives. And so we're just very thankful for them. Yeah. So anyways, I, I couldn't not mention that. Yeah, and them. actually he was a reference point for my dad. So a lot of people kind of get worried about long distance relationships and there's a lot of negativity about it because you don't really know the person. But for my dad, it was so neat to be able to call Brother Steve up and say, okay, if your daughter was interested in Austin, if that was a relationship, would you have a problem with that? What do you know of Austin? What do you know of his family? And just to have kind of a a context for you was really helpful as yeah. well. And just for him to say, yeah, he's a good guy. I, would, I wouldn't have a problem. It's, it's good. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, that's carried on. And he did our premarital counseling, and then he kind of did some follow-up with us after we were married too, which was really good. Yeah. So, yeah, the investment in us has been a huge Amen. blessing. Yeah, that's good. Well, it's good to uh, just kind of hear a little bit about you guys' story. And you guys, is obviously, your story's diverse. Um, you know, I think you're the only person from the U.K. that's here at Grace Life, uh, Elspeth. But, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, to see God's providence, you know, in you guys' relationship is kind of a, a smaller picture, hopefully, of, of how God's providence has been at work in like, Anchored in Truth and missions and just to kind of put things together. I, you know, I, I mean, I, I think you guys would echo this. I Probably you, you didn't have any clue that you were going to be living in Alabama at some point. You didn't have any clue you were going to marry you know, a girl from Scotland, and, and God puts that together. And so much of, of what God has done here at Grace Life is, I, and Tim would probably echo this too, I, if we would have strategized it and laid it out and, hey, it's going to go this way and this way and this way, 
it would have never worked the way it has done, <laughs> right? But but God has Absolutely. been good to put those things together. And so, you know, so much of you guys' story is a kind of a, a, a case study of what God <laughs> has done in, in a lot of different ways on a lot of different levels mm. um, here at Grace Life. And so I appreciate you guys being willing to, to hang out with us and tell us a little bit about your Grace Life story. Of course, your Grace Life story is not over here. We look forward to seeing how the Lord is going to continue to use you guys and use you in ministry and bless your marriage in the uh, days ahead. So um, that'll kind of wrap us up for another episode of My Grace Life Story, and we'll leave it at that. Thank you, guys. We hope you'll join us again next week for another episode of My Grace Life Story as members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. To find out more, visit gracelifeshoals.org. This podcast is a production of Grace Life Media.